I'm looking at all your faces and I'm feeling, I'm feeling teary because I know that the time is coming <laughs> um, when we'll be scattering again. And um, this has been such an amazing week. You know, just, I'm still feeling so tender. And um, this is a, a tricky day. <laughs> you know, what what um, the meanings we have attached to it. But I was thinking, you know, um, exploring timeless awareness, our true nature, that's where the real independence is. That's where the freedom is. So how appropriate to um, be able to explore that today. And the full moon. I still, it's a full moon with an eclipse. So, you know, we've had three in a row and that's very, very powerful, very powerful times. So again, our prayers, how we incline ourselves right now has kind of a boost to it. So good time to, to um, put the prayers out. So before I get going, I just wanted to, um, because it, 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 this is the first, the last time I get to speak with all of you. That I I, um, I want to bow to the all the threads that make up our, the fabric of who we are here in this retreat. You know, um, Noli's um, sharing yesterday was so powerful that it's still rattling in my bones, um, and there's so many you know other threads in the community here and how we learn to honor each other, learn from each other, um, you know, be a community. For myself, being an immigrant of this generation, this old now, and, and um, you know, I have my limitations in what I understand. And I'm sort of like running to catch up with how, you know, identity gets defined and all of that. So, um, I just want to acknowledge my own limitations and um, and to ask your forgiveness for any way that I might have inadvertently caused some harm during the retreat. I just um, want to ask for that, uh, your forgiveness. And, um, and just um, bow to what we are doing as a community. The, uh, the, the power of this field during this retreat, the um, generosity of people across all the threads of identity that we have, it's so, it's so amazing. I mean, this is what our world needs. And so this, this community that we have with the thread of the Dharma to give us the tools to walk across all these differences in in our histories and who we, you know, who we are um, in, in a relative sense. It, it, this is the uh, experiment in healing that our world needs. And so I, I feel, um, uh, it's almost like without words of gratitude for what's happened this week with all of us together. So I just, <laughs> I bow to that. And um, 
I will um, sing something to get us to get started. Um, yeah, and then I'll, I'll speak about what 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 our essence actually is. So I'm going to do this is a chant to Padmasambhava, who brought Buddhism from uh, India to Tibet, uh, but also a very powerful um, human being who. Um, reached a level of development that's what in Vipassana we call the deathless, so that, that that energy, that spirit is available outside of time. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a guide and a protector for this time that we can call on. So because it's in my lineage, I will do the chant for him, plus another little prayer. So... Or Yaki Jesu Dadruji, Ijinji Lapsher Shesu So, Gupe To the Great Mother within and without, I prostrate beyond all duality. Please remove our obstacles and guide us through our obscurations into full understanding and freedom that we may be of benefit to ourselves and all that is arising. So earlier, um, Carol did such a beautiful job in weaving, you know, the relative and the absolute in our experience that um, some of what I was going to do, I, I, um, I'm going to refer you to that book that I had recommended. Let's see, where is it? Uh, that True Source of Healing in the middle, um, in pages... 68 and 69, there is a whole guided meditation that was very similar to what Carol did without being in nature and so on, but it's to connect to the inner refuges of stillness, silence, and spaciousness. And working, I mean, he goes very systematically, working with that and then also working with the elements. And it's just such an integrated way of approaching that which is unbound in us. <clears throat> Part of the, um, the pitfalls that people fall into um, when, when entering into these practices is that either, you know, we, we sort of connect to the space quality and sort of get spacey and, and disembodied. There's also in the writings, um, the traditional writings from a different time, it's almost you can feel a certain aversion for the body and preference for transcendence. So there's this kind of um, 
it creates this bind, you know. Uh, I mean, we are, as long as we're here and we're alive, we're in a body. And so some of what I would like to share with you is about what non-duality actually means. You know, you, you hear it in different circles, but understanding non-duality, it's a deep thing. Very, very deep. And, you know, we, we, we get caught along the way, even experienced practitioners, we get caught and, and miss the point of what, where is really, where is the freedom about it? So going back to what I was speaking about at the beginning, and one thing I want to mention is I w- I'm going to leave plenty of time for questions and answers because we need to check with each other as we open up a new way to practice. So I'll make sure that that's there at the end. And I will stay late if we need to. Um, But at the beginning, I was speaking about how as babies, before we acquire uh, a mental framework, there's this openness, this profound just openness, no content. But all, you know, the senses are perceiving. And so that kind of utter openness in a way, um, if you see it in the face of a baby, that openness, you see the face of an enlightened person, it, it looks the same. You know, it's just like that, you know. And, and there's this feeling of almost of like innocence because all the machinations of the mind are not being seen on the face. You just can see that this mind is free. And uh, when we encounter somebody like that it's very powerful i uh, i met my root teacher in 1977 calorie who was like that and you know walking in the room it's like even the <laughs> the room seemed to sparkle it was just uh, the the radiance of a being like that is quite profound so but what i would like to say is that all of us have that in us it is our birthright to know that and to know it as a mature human being with the empowerment that it actually uh, gives us. You know, in the Tibetan tradition, there are a lot of practices with deities and so on that we develop to to cultivate certain faculties or certain um, qualities. And so the, the teachers become the deity, let's say with Tara and compassion and become the deity. And then they pass the teaching and it's almost like giving that quality onto the student. But ultimately, the ultimate empowerment is directly awareness itself. So when we connect to that, the quality of, of, of feeling that, it transforms our life. It, it starts almost like an alchemical process that that it's like life before and life after. And sometimes it's just a little, little we start to get little glimpses. I remember early on, um, at first I thought I was just one thought after another, after another. And then after, you know, a lot of sitting, then I started noticing there's a gap between the thoughts. And then I started getting curious about the gap. And then with more practice, the gap got bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden I could sort of relax. And then I noticed sometimes like the mind wants to make a thought and trying to make, and then I could just like relax and it didn't make a thought. It would just kind of go back. So 
but then being able to relax into that so that, you know, so much of our training is so based on effort. In order to collect this mind that's all over, you know, the first stage is like collecting, collecting, collecting. So you can, it's like a wild horse that so you can kind of get it steady enough. And sometimes you can get that steady enough so you can see behind it, like what else is there? And that's when, you know, our true nature, timeless awareness starts kind of peeking through. Just like when the moon starts coming up in the horizon, you know, it will later on. It's, it's kind of like that. You know, the moon has always been a symbol for enlightenment. So, <clears throat> so um, so part of part of the uh, because it we it it happens that we drop into that throughout the day is that I would like to see if we can find specific tools that you can use to to relax into that and to recognize it when it's when when it's there so at first you know this gap started happening and in fact i, I had a teacher at the time <laughs> who thought i was just in a version of thinking like that's why it's happening you know so you know finding the right teacher is also important that knows what's going on here and uh, you know as a community even of teachers you know we've been evolving and having deeper experiences and deeper understanding of of what's going on so that we can use it to guide uh the students um so our our i, I will read you just a um a couple of things from different sources this is from uh uh, Longchenpa that, that Josen had read a little quote about and Longchenpa is like the he was called the omniscient one lived in the 1300s um, like the father of, of Dzogchen you know in, in that his writings are so profound and there it's a language that you cannot like read it directly because the, the ordinary mind goes crazy trying to make sense of it. You have to almost like hear it as, as if rain was falling over you so that you get it like with your whole being, with your whole body. But he's saying here, unobstructed timeless awareness and naturally occurring spacious expanse is utterly lucid, unobstructed, with no division into outer and inner. And so, self-knowing awareness is the great radiant mirror of mind, the precious gem that provides for all wants. And um, as we relax back into that, going from the inner refuges of first feeling the um, the stillness, like right now. And what I'm going to ask you is, um, while we're doing the meditation, we're always doing the meditation with the eyes closed in the past. I'm actually going to invite you to keep your eyes open, but very slightly, so that your gaze is very soft. And see if you can let the gaze rest, not on an object, because we, whenever we open our eyes, the habit is to go, you know, connect to some object or another. And I remember Ajahn Sumero many years ago saying, yeah, we walk into a room and immediately we're looking around 
at the objects, the walls, the chairs, the desk. But are we ever interested in the space? What would it be like to walk into a room and be aware of a space? So right now, wherever you are, you know, see the difference. Like when you look at an object and you're looking at, at the object and then let, let your eyes kind of relax back a little bit and just, it, it has to almost, the, the uh, sight has to be almost unfocused and just put your attention in the space between you and the object. Let, let your, your, your attention sort of relax into that space. And it might be a little bit hard at the beginning because the tendency is to, for, for the eyes to go right back like a rubber band to some object. But, you know, just back off the object and again, relax your gaze just in the space. And as you do that, start to feel like as, as, as well as you can. This is the first time you, you may be trying this. So relaxing the gaze right in the space and then feel like what effect that has on you. And that even though the gaze is in, in this particular part of the room, in this, in this space, if we let ourselves relax, you can start to feel like how that space there is connected to all the space. And just like there's space outside of us, there's space through the pores of our skin connecting to all kinds of space within the body, the hollow organs, between joints, even in between cells, even within the cells themselves, there's space, and you go even further molecules into atoms. And the atom itself has mostly space with a few little particles whirling around. So if we go from being aware of that space outside and then sort of relax into the general space, And notice, if it's not so easy to do, how the mind might be getting a little bit tight. This is not the only way we're going to come at it, so don't, don't get uh, uh, discouraged. So for a little while, I'm just going to let you um, play with being you know, looking at an object and then coming off and just relaxing into the space. So the attention is resting in the space. Let's do that just for a couple of minutes. Just let the attention go back, resting in the space. Feel the body, what happens with the body as the attention is resting in the space. Feel how pervasive that space can be or if it's still being somewhat limited. There's infinite space in our universe within which everything is happening. 
there's infinite space in our heart-mind within which our entire life unfolds. There's absolute wisdom in that original mind-heart. The depth of understanding of life arises from there. This is a space that is not empty. It's a space that knows itself. Ajahn Cha, Jack Cornfield, and Joseph's teacher, Sharon's Salzburg's teacher, used to call this the one who knows. And all of us at one point or another, when we have a settled, completely settled understanding of something that we know to be true, where there's no wobble and the ego isn't getting in the act, it's coming from there. The capacity to know and to know directly, not through some kind of conventional narrative. In terms of decolonizing the heart, the spirit, the mind, this is the independent, independent territory. This is the independence, the autonomy of our true nature. As our experience settles into this, the level of insight that arises creates a confidence by directly knowing things that no one can tell you otherwise. And it's not something to be argued about. Or it's just the sheer power of being unobstructed by conventional machinations in the mind. There's a quality of wakefulness that is sharply awake, lucid, clearly seeing. There's no doubt there. There's no wobble there. It is completely open and unobstructed and full of wisdom and perspective. From here, this has the capacity to be with the deepest sorrow and the greatest ecstasy and the whole range of experience. It has the capacity to meet all of it. It has the capacity to meet our own death and sustain freedom. It is unshakable, unassailable, 
vast. No reference point and yet registers everything precisely because there's no static to interrupt the flow of understanding. In whatever way we struggle with our own confusion, this is the ultimate medicine, the remedy. We are all longing for this. This is the home that can never be taken away. And as you're here, see if you can feel, without your mind getting busy, see if you can feel the connection with the earth, like the sheer presence of the earth. And the sheer presence of everything around you your home where you are, or if you're somewhere else, just the sheer isness of everything around you. And beginning, everything that exists has this quality in it, in different forms. But just as your mind is steadied in this space, the directly seeing of our original nature, we can feel that quality present in all the objects of our life. That's why Dogen before could say, the incomparable awareness of all things returns to the person in Zazen. Because for him, Zazen was to sit in this, in this open, non-conceptual awareness. The quality of the feel that we're in right now is different from what what we've had um, during the week. I don't know if you can feel it. Um, This is even like uh, simpler. This is the heart's ultimate rest. And from this place of rest and, you know, spending time here, it it is just so, so nourishing. And having, if this is the first time you connect to this, you know, it's like having this for the first time. We want to keep coming back to this over and over, even if it's just for a few seconds at a time, to recognize this quality so that it starts opening up for us. Because it, it, it actually comes up, we just ignore it and don't because we don't recognize what it is.
but it can it, it is so pristine that there's not a lot of wobble or even like within the space then what's appropriate and what is naturally arising will arise at the beginning i felt like either i was in this or i was in my ordinary mind with my emotions and all of that. And so at the beginning, sometimes as a practice, just like when we do Vipassana, you know, when we enter into the spacious nature of the mind, mind, heart, you know, it's a cultivation. So you, you sort of sit there uh, in that. But eventually you, you start to relax and let it open, let it open. And within it, then all the the hard quality, the need, the feeling, the joy, the sorrow, everything arises within that space. And I'm, I'm going to relax back a little bit because I'm going to uh, give you another way to come into it. So, um, yeah, so just... Let, let yourself, you know, come back and sort of be aware of the physicality of your body. <clears throat> so when we go into the space, you know, we're, we're, we're in the um, undivided, you know, general space. So coming back into our physical body, you can again um, notice the space around you or in front of you. And this time, see if you can keep your energy behind. Imagine that your eyes are like windows and you don't go out the window to meet some object out there. You just sort of relax, relax back behind the window and let yourself just sit with your awareness inside the window while resting the attention in the space. So, Try not to go and attach to the object, still using the space to put our attention into. But this time, energetically almost, staying inside the window of your eyes and just see what that feels like. Not sure if all you know some of you are noticing that when we do that, when we stay inside the window, there's a little bit more integration <clears throat> of the physicality with the space quality, so that we are a little bit more here engaged with the moments objects around us, you know, just being aware of our surroundings in and so. The, from this place, staying behind the window of our eyes, it is a little bit easier to function and not lose the connection to the space-like quality of the mind. So that as we begin to practice, 
this first just sitting quietly. But if later we're trying to get some integration into functioning, then using this metaphor of staying behind the window and being aware of the space, then we can go get up and wash the dishes or do some kind of simple activity as a beginning training to stay with that quality and function so that we don't get stuck having it in compartments like I did for years, you know, now I'm in awareness, now I'm functioning. So that there's some kind of integration from the beginning. And notice how the body is responding to this. See if there's a part that's draining, trying to get it, and there's some tension in the body, or, you know, maybe for some of you there might be just this feeling of lightness and joy, or, or somebody else might feel puzzled, you know, um, and one thing I want to mention is sometimes when we do the meditation with space, the ego can get nervous. It can be scary. Because if, if we're resting in space and the space really opens up, there's a feeling like we're, we're kind of being dissolved. You know, the, the I is getting dissolved. And all of a sudden, there's, there's fear. And so if that happens, then just kind of come back and, rub your hands on your legs and sort of uh, make sure that you're staying connected to your physical experience while also being aware of the space. I'm going to read you a, a little poem from a hermit in China who was immersed in this he, was, he went by the name of Stonehouse. What's gone is already gone, and what hasn't come needs no thought. Now for a right now line, plums are ripe and gardenias in bloom. Three or four naps every day, still don't exhaust all my free time. <laughs> I circle the jade bamboo once or twice, and gaze at far mountains from above the green pines. True emptiness is silent but always present, masked by delusion for reasons unknown. A true, our true nature never leaves unreal existence. Flowers bloom and fall when the spring wind blows. That line, our true nat nature never leaves on real existence. He's talking about that coexistence of what we would call unreal, you know, the, the ordinary life and the profound freedom of, you know, of timeless, of, of our original nature, timeless. Away. So that they, 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 they don't leave each other. You know, the, the conditioned life is happening within the unconditioned. It's all together. So... Um, he lived in the 1300s. Um, at the same time that Longchenpa lived in Tibet and Rumi in, in uh, Turkey. They were these amazing 
um, realized beings writing beautiful things. And um, I'm going to stop now because I want to have questions. There's one one other quote that I I always bring out because it is so beautiful. Also from a teacher in the in, in the Nyingma lineage, Nyosho Ken Rinpoche, and I'll I'll put this up. But he says, "Profound and tranquil, free from complexity, unobstructed." luminous clarity beyond the mind of conceptual ideas. This is the depth of the mind of the Buddhas. In this, there's nothing to be removed nor anything to be added. It is simply the immaculate looking naturally at itself. It is simply the immaculate looking naturally at itself. Mm. 